Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash R-L-R-C and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. R-C. Hey everyone and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Guys, how are we feeling today? Feeling pretty good. Doing pretty good. Those little, eyes are looking, they're looking white. I don't see the <laughs> red my, anymore. The, I have chronic red eye. It's not from smoking <laughs> weed or drinking too much. <laughs> the the three day recovery from sassafras. Yeah, sassafras and another successful crew bash, right? And, and thank y'all both for coming. It was awesome. 
So it was Woody Bash, actually, because you know, no one got bashed harder than than, than, than Woody over the right. two nights. So you know, that were right. Three nights because I went Thursday. <laughs> well, you had to warm up. That's that yeah, doesn't count. Right. That's that's just warm up. That's prepare the so, liver. I've been, in, I've been training. Good. I've been in training for the whole year for that. <laughs> that's right. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk. We're going to start off today talking about an all Woody team member, our second all Woody team member who yes. had quite a busy week last week, yes. and also. Had himself quite a Monday yesterday, as we are sitting here Tuesday taping. This dude needs to warm up the short bus for the penitentiary, get his cell ready. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are warming up that bus. But um, let's take you through a just a quick recap of the happenings from last week. That'll lead us into what happened yesterday, because a very big decision in the trial. Uh, was made by the judge yesterday that uh, uh, that's based on a lot of testimony that was given last week, but testimony that was given without the jury present. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. And we're talking about the Murdoch case show. Oh, did I not say his name? <laughs> you never said that's okay. All Woody, I got your all Woody, back, Mike. All Woody team number right. two, Alex Murdoch. Alex Murdoch. Everybody says his name. It's Alec. It's Alex. It's Murdaw. It's Murdog. Well, it's it's, it's so going to be inmate number one. He'll be going by a number soon, and that won't matter. Well, just to recap, Alex, 54 years old, is standing trial in the shootings of his 52-year-old wife, Maggie, and his 22-year-old, 22-year-old son, Paul, and those murders happened on June 7th of 2021. The disgraced former lawyer is looking at 30 years to life in prison if convicted of the murders. Let's not forget all the stuff we have talked about from prior episodes in financial crimes that uh, that each contain uh, different potential uh, prison sentences as well as on the uh, civil side, uh, more and more pain to his ever-shrinking wallet. And that fact, include, I, I don't know that there's anything left in that wallet. That but. includes everything from his housekeeper <laughs> that he collected insurance money on and scamming his clients and keeping back money and giving them a smaller amount. Shall. It was just a real shit back. Yeah, so her son, Saddlefield, uh, the former uh, nanny housekeeper, uh, her son testified. One of her uh, sons testified last week. And... Murdaugh went to him and his brother and uh, told them each he'd get them $100,000. Mm-hmm. And then he get like three, three million or something. <laughs> he got four points. Right, well, it's yeah. actually, there were two different things. So it was over $5 million. So he got $5 million and told them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you right. hundred grand each. Yeah, so, grand. Um, and this was uh, a pretty sweet, innocent kid uh, that, that cool. testified. So um, here are the key revelations from last week. I don't know that much will uh, will come of this, but both the uh, the prosecution and the defense uh, had their go at a video that was uh, taken of a distraught uh, Murdaugh sitting with police uh, after the after the murders, and he's he's crying hysterically. Um, you'd be the judge when you listen to it about whether that's he was really crying or he's got a, a he's decent not, he's a decent not going to win any cry, Academy but, Awards. <laughs> but he, according to uh, the officer, 
that was with him at the time, the officer says that he said, it's just so bad, I did him so bad, referring to his son, right. Paul. The uh, the uh, defense, or the prosecution, uh, played this at regular speed. They played it at one-third speed because the defense is saying he didn't say I, he said they. Right. And when you listen to it at the different speeds, I don't, to me, it sounds like I, I don't think it's going to matter a whole hell of a lot it, in this case, but it's, it, uh, it's, it was something they went back and forth a lot on. It's definitely I, and the defense is doing what the defense is job. They're praying, they're, they're throwing shit against the wall and hoping something will stick. They're praying one juror says, oh, he didn't say I. Yep. Two important witnesses last week were friends of Paul's. A gentleman by the name of Rogan Gibson, who's a lifelong friend of uh, Paul's, and a guy by the name of Will Loving, who was a uh, roommate and uh, friend from Columbia of Paul's. Now, Rogan was an important witness because Rogan had Paul taking care of his dog. So there was a kennel on the Murdaugh property. There was something wrong with uh, Rogan Gibson's dog's tail that uh, Paul had been keeping him in the kennel and taking care of him uh, and working on that. And where this becomes really critical, really key, is that Paul takes a video of the dog. So the video is camera pointed at the dog. You don't see any full uh, human in the video. You see a little bit of, uh, of Paul's uh, leg and that's a, that's about it. But you, you hear three voices. So, so Paul is taking this video and he's taking this video in order to give Rogan a look at his dog and kind of an assessment of how the dog is doing. And this video was taken uh, just minutes before uh, the uh, police allege uh, was a time of murder, right? So uh, the video was was taken at uh, at eight forty four, and the murders are believed to have taken uh, place at at eight fifty. Right. And the the key piece of the video is that there are three voices on that video. There's Paul's voice. There's Maggie's voice, and then there's a third voice. Can you guess whose voice yeah, the third uh, voice was? I, I can tell you that the first two voices are no longer with us on this mortal plane. That is correct. And the third voice, Jim? Alex. Winner, winner, winner. Chicken dinner. So the, the, the third voice was identified by Rogan in his testimony as I'm a hundred percent certain that that is Alex's voice. Right. Then they played it in double slow motion yeah. <laughs> and said, does it sound like his voice now? <laughs> then Paul's other friend uh, and roommate, Will Loving took the stand and Will Loving also with 100% certainty identified that third voice as Alex's. Why is this key? This is key because Alex's story from the night of the murders is that they had dinner together, he, Maggie, Paul, that he was tired 
and went and took a nap yeah. after dinner. Yeah, hmm. he's full of shit. So in his story, he didn't ever go to the kennels. Right. Well, unfortunately for him, uh, his son was pretty active on his mobile phone and took a lot of video and, and sent it to friends. So uh, we have a major contradiction and uh, the prosecution through these testimonies can place or is trying to place uh, Alex at the scene of the murder just minutes before the actual murders take place. So that's pretty damning circumstantial evidence. I would agree. And there should be, the law states, there's should be no more weight given to circumstantial evidence than direct evidence and the totality of circumstances. This can be circumstantial, but it's a great piece of circumstantial. Not for Alex. I, I was amazed by this uh, this next piece of evidence, which, uh, Woody, I'm sure you'll have some uh, experience to uh, uh, to fall upon and, and provide to uh, to us here. But the the police have not found either of the murder weapons. So just to recap, Maggie was killed with one kind of weapon, and Paul was killed with a different kind of weapon, and so. The, the police are looking for two different weapons. The police ballistics expert, it's an agent, last name Croft, was able to match shell casings that were found around Maggie's body with shell casings that were found around the Murdoch uh, shooting range which they have sort of a just a made up right. uh, the property so big they have yeah, an area we, that we, they used as a shooting range and so they're they're able to uh, uh, to with uh, certainty say that the uh, the weapons or the weapon even though they don't have it the weapon that killed Maggie uh, that there's a match uh, between the striations on the uh, the shells of stuff on the driving range to what's right, by her body. Right, and that's basically firearm DNA, okay? Each each weapons manufacturer has its own unique, distinct, what they call uh, barrel grooves. If, you if you're lucky enough to find the actual lead piece or of the round, you can... They could do it that way, but also even on the spent casing, they can tell from the, where the hammer, believe it or not, hits the the round before it explodes. And then uh, also they can tell, uh, yeah, they can match that brass with a certainty to a certain weapon. Period. Better than a fingerprint. And Murdoch's problem is going to be explaining well. Mm, I don't know where these are at or, or never any of our weapons. Well, guess what? Well, my dad's place, we have a firing range also, and I don't want them to ever go back out there and, and dig through shit if I kill somebody. And as far as the weapons being missing, you better believe if, if they didn't search for them that night and didn't find them that night, and I'm this guy, I'm dropping one piece off in every, in Louisiana we have parish, but 
I'm going all through South Carolina, every, every pond, every bayou, every river is getting a different piece of a different one of these weapons. And they would have been cut up into a million different pieces. He's not, he's not totally stupid. Okay. I mean, I, he already had a plan to get rid of these weapons. Yes, he did. The, uh, other evidence that came out last week that was really fascinating to me um, was uh, mobile phone uh, evidence. And, you know, we saw in the uh, Idaho murders the benefit of GPS tracking and how we're able to look at the movements made over a period of time by, uh, uh, by someone. What was really fascinating here was uh, – was the presentation of uh, evidence coming out of both Maggie and Paul's phones that go beyond just geolocation kind of evidence. And so with, uh, with both of their phones, so both of their phones ceased any meaningful activity at 8.49 PM, which is largely how police came to their conclusion that that was the time of the murder, 8.50, right? So both of these phones, you know, stop the sort of regular movement that you would that you would normally see. Maggie's phone had a you know phone log that showed a bunch of calls coming from Alex between uh, so starting with earlier in that night uh, through the uh, the hour uh, up to about an hour after. Uh, the murders, right? Right. When police got Alex's phone, his call log did not match hers. Now, some time went by. So this is another one of those things where the more time goes by, the more evidence disappears. He wasn't an official suspect from the get-go. So they don't, uh, they don't ask for his, for his phone for, a period of time, and over that period of time, uh, it looks like he starts covering uh, some tracks. And so his phone log uh, uh, is missing a bunch of those uh, those calls to uh, uh, to Maggie. In fact, his, his phone log is uh, absent a big chunk of time from that right. evening. Imagine that. The defense is trying to present the Murdoch family as a big, happy family, that there was lots of love between Alex and Maggie, lots of love between Alex and Paul. And they, uh, they use some video from actually earlier in that day, the day of the murder, June 7th, where Alex and Paul are touring uh, the uh, the land, the 1,700 acres they have there, and looking in on some trees they had planted sometime earlier, and you're able to listen to the way they talk to each other, and the, the banter is very, very friendly, and it sounds like a father and son that have a, a very strong, uh, loving relationship. If I'm going to kill my son, and I already planned it out, then I'm certainly going to want some video or we're riding around looking at the trees we planted, which we have trees planted, but I'm going to do everything I can if I'm smart enough to make sure I have this kind of evidence of the loving father-son relationship. 
But yeah. in my mind, he'd be dead. Yeah, the only problem with that is that would uh, uh, that would also provide the prosecution with evidence as to what clothing you were wearing That's earlier correct. in the day if you were Alex. And so um, remember when the police get to the crime scene, Alex is in this white T-shirt. There's uh, no blood on his hands. There's no blood on his clothing. He's sweating profusely, but there's uh, there's no uh, gunshot residue. And we have the whole uh, thing back and forth with uh, uh, with Bevel that testifies about the uh, the residue on the on the T-shirt. And so uh, uh, you have another video from 7:39 that night that shows. Uh, Murdaugh wearing the different clothes, the clothes that he had changed into. So what happened with his original clothes? During cross-examination, Murdaugh, one of Murdaugh's attorneys, Jim Griffin, asked questions about Murdaugh's character to a number of different witnesses and mentions the 2019 boat crash case. And who knows how much discussion the defense had about this up front, whether they were concerned at all that uh, that mentioning the, uh, the the 2019 boat crash could have some adverse effects. But the the fact that they brought up the 2019 boat crash opened the door up for the state to do the same. And so they had been working so hard to prevent the state from – uh, from being able to admit any evidence of his financial crimes, uh, while for the state, their primary objective was to prove a motive. And the motive that they were looking to prove was the financial trouble that that uh, uh, that Alex was in. And so all of this led to a weekend of speculation where uh, basically uh, folks analyzed what happened last week and said, if the judge rules that this stuff is admissible, these prior financial crimes are admissible, then the, the, the judge is going to give prosecutors the case because as everyone knows from what we've outlined in prior episodes, there is so much stuff there. And I, and I would say on that, that was a shocking um mistake by the defense to even bring that up. And I say shocking because you got to remember y'all the, these defense lawyers are not public defenders. These are extremely high paid, the best defense you can buy in South Carolina. And they made what I consider a fatal mistake. And that is bringing up something that then the prosecution can exploit. Yeah. And I have two thoughts on that. One, they just screwed up. Two, they did it knowing that they would have a chance on appeal for ineffective counsel, uh, an error that they should have never brought it in. Well, we will see if that ends up happening, but the, the, uh, the experts across various networks and, uh, uh, and crime websites, et cetera, are unanimous in uh, the thought that if the judge came in and ruled 
that all of that evidence was admissible because remember all of those testimonies occurred without the jury in the courtroom that if they're deemed admissible, then Alex is in a heap load of trouble. And the reason why is because it's 12 regular people on a jury who have never ripped their housekeeper off for $5 million or however much it was, much less all the other people they ripped off. And now what you're going to have is a bunch of pissed off regular Joes and, and Joettes, I guess you would call them, females, and they are going to want them to pay regardless. And it speaks to motive. Yes. Absolutely. And so yesterday morning, the judge ruled, Judge Clifton Newman ruled that. We need a button to push. The financial crimes testimony is admissible. And and again, the pundits that are looking at this case last night uh, were unanimous in that uh, with that ruling having been made, uh, we're on a, we're on a short path, probably early next week, maybe even as early as Friday of this week that the case would end up back with the jury, but that uh, there's a mountain of this financial evidence and it's going to be awfully hard to overcome. Uh, I believe that, at this point, his defense attorneys may be trying to get him a deal, and the prosecution is like, mm, that bus is left, and your bus is going to be leaving for the penitentiary. Bluebird. Bluebird. <laughs> but, Alex, you can take pride in being the second member of the all-woody team. So if there's Alex, anything you to can, think about on you the can, ride. You can cancel Christmas for the rest of your life. Oh, my God. All right, now let's get to the best story of the day. Right, <laughs> this is Jim's favorite story. My favorite story. I've been following this since the beginning. You're right, y'all. The China balloon. We're about to talk oh, about it. Get, sit up in your chair, pull over your car, park in the Walmart parking lot, whatever you got to do to listen to this story mm-hmm. of the Chinese balloon. So, uh, unless you live under a rock, where you were at the crew bash this weekend, (laughs) you may or may not be aware of the China balloon that had made its way across the United States, spying as it went. And so we're going to tell you a little bit about it, just in case you don't know. There was a massive white orb, as as it were. It basically looked like a giant hot air balloon. Uh, that was floating across the United States, and it was it was rather large, y'all. This thing was the size of three school buses, uh, and it drifted across the U.S. airspace this past week. Eventually, it got shot down by the Air Force. Now, a lot of people that I saw commenting on this are, you know, you saw everything from what's the big deal to uh the memes galore that were were coming out, and uh, I saw a bunch of pictures of people who had wrote in marks a lot. This is not a Chinese balloon, and don't shoot it down, right. and things like that. You know, poking fun at it, but this is actually serious business, y'all. Um, now, China, and it, only the way China would do, insists that this was not a spy balloon. They're All like, right. look, here's the deal: this was an errant weather balloon. That went off course. It had no steering capability, uh, or limited at least, and it was just for meteorological research. Mm-hmm. 
This was not to spy on the United States. It just so happened that it flew over the United States. Now, um, it kind of pissed them off, though, that we were calling this a spy balloon. And they basically said, and as a matter of fact, the Chief Ministry of Foreign Affairs went as far as to be quoted as saying that it was an obvious overreaction and a serious violation of international practice, and they are reserving the right to take further action in response. You know what? Let's float one over their ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they didn't like that. So the United States came back, and they said, look, this is a spy balloon. Okay. Um, without a doubt, Secretary of State Antony Blinken canceled a trip to China and that wasn't a like party or anything. He was going there uh, to try to dial down tensions between the two countries. Well, how can you do that when you're flying, you know, giant spy balloons all across the United States? So the Pentagon, they basically looked into this in in the balloon they say was carrying sensors and surveillance equipment. It was in fact maneuverable, even though China says it wasn't. And showed it could change course. And how they know that, y'all, it didn't just appear in the United States. They were kind of slick about it. What they did was they sent the balloon over Canada, floated it. Then it came into the United States. And, you know, I, I don't know why Canada didn't come out, you know, initially and say, you know, there's a balloon out here. But you had heard a whole big response from Canada when it hit their airspace. Well, they uh, spend about twelve cents on defense in, in so. their space that hit over. <laughs> so, uh, their space well that hit over them was probably uh, zooming in on some moose ass. Yeah, or unless it was like a, <laughs> unless a gigantic Labatt's bottle. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Or a hockey maple syrup. Yeah, they're stealing the recipe for maple syrup. We, hey, we love our Canucks, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. We do. We love our Canadian fans. Sorry, yes. y'all got spied on. <laughs> So the the Pentagon, uh, you know, was tracking this thing. It was loitering uh, over some sensitive areas in Montana. Now, this is where it's actually important, y'all. We have nuclear warhead silos all over the state of Montana. And it was kind of hanging out over there. It didn't just pass by, you know, going 35. It it kind of hung out around Montana. And it's, I'm sure, taking many, many pictures of those nuclear silos. And that's something of concern. Uh, like all joking aside, that's a major problem. I don't want anybody knowing, number one, where the silos are. And even if they know where they're at, I sure don't want them knowing the operation of those. I don't, you know, with, with equipment nowadays, camera equipment, stuff like that, could they, they might have some sort of technology where they can actually see through the silo. I don't know. So, um, that was where the major problem came in. Now you may wonder why didn't they shoot this thing down the second they saw it? Because they, they actually let it float all across the United States before they shot it down. United States, the whole United States actually, knew about it when it was over Alaska before. Mm-hmm. Well, after, well, that's part of the, part of are you that saying was, that's not part of the United that States? Was, <laughs> that was before it even entered beautiful. Canada. So, uh, unless a lot's changed since the last time I went to Alaska, uh-huh. there's a decent amount of open land slash ice oh, where they no could have, they could have brought that puppy down. Um, so they had that, they had the first chance to do something with yeah. it over Alaska. And for some reason, which, I haven't heard a good answer to. There's not. They didn't do anything about it. And then it came through uh, Canada where. 
There was a former. They signed off on it. Yeah, I agree. And there, you know, uh, just a little sidebar on that. There is a former vice presidential candidate that could see Russia from her house. I don't know if you remember that. uh, And it wasn't Walter Mondale. I'm a big Sarah Sarah Palin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love me some Sarah Palin. Hey, Sarah uh, Palin, shout out. Don't take come shots. On the show. Don't take shots. <laughs> take shots at Sarah. She, the, uh, I love Sarah. Love um, her, love her, love her. But anyway, I digress. We Go ahead. No, I was going to say, when we get to the shoot down part, I have some thoughts on it. A lot of people on Facebook and uh, you know all your social media outlets where people were seeing all of this in real time were saying, why don't they just shoot the thing down? Well, it's just what I told you at the beginning. It's, it's not – you know, you're not talking about a, a balloon from your house that you blew up with helium. This thing is is enormous. It's three three bus lengths long and wide, and it's a big orb. And they didn't want it to, you know, obviously it's going to come down to high rate of speed. They didn't want it to land on somebody's house, crush their house, and all of that. I think. Are it's, you saying uh, you believe that? I think it's a lot more than that. <laughs> I think. Well, that it makes sense. The, once the pressure started coming out about it and in president Biden, however you feel about him or not, I don't care. But once they, it started ratcheting up in the news in the news in the news. And then certainly I wouldn't call them bean counters, but you got the, the think tanks who are now getting visual close from our fighters and every, or satellites and everything else. And they have identified, Hey, this is a real deal. This thing's got more cameras than, than a movie set, right? The but at the end of the time, then now it's gone ninety five percent across the United States, and they they come up with a plan to shoot it down. Here's the problem, people: if you think that balloon didn't have the most advanced technology, camera wise, you know, if a satellite can read a beer can label from space that's in the desert, this thing had that. Now, I have a problem with that as an American because. I walk around in my yard naked in the country, not, by, not in the city. I, I may. I'm a someone who isn't me may do that. I may do things that I don't want anybody to know about. And I damn sure don't want the Chinese coming back and blackmailing me for their spy balloon shit that should have been shot down as soon as it hit Alaska. That's just in. Woody Everton has been sighted naked by China. Right, they they then they might want to come pay me some money. I don't know, but the deal <laughs> the deal being is it should have never happened. They did it for a reason. It, yes, it's an I believe it's an escalation and an ongoing shit show between our countries, and you know it is. And you know a lot of people have asked, and this is obviously a concern as well. Uh, so we do want to answer it about weapons. And no, the balloon did not have any any sort of weapons on it or. Or anything like that. They've confirmed that. As a matter of fact, that was Brigadier General Pat Ryder, uh, who is the Pentagon press secretary, that answered that question and and said it was not a physical threat by any means. It was just basically a balloon that was uh, wanting to access sensitive information, you know, via flying over. The other problem with the information. Woody's house while he's naked. The information part is. You better believe that balloon could tra- transmit back. They're not just going to float it up there and hope that one day it comes back to China. We're going to download all the information. <laughs> they got that shit real time. It's not a so hard whatever drive, you were doing outside, they like, blew it up. like Woody Overton, you, 
Mm. Yeah, they definitely. I'm sure your shit got violated. And that's why we're talking about on the crime show because it's a fucking crime that they did it. And it's a fucking crime that it didn't get stopped before it got to Louisiana. I would, I would agree. Or wherever with that. you live. Yes. And you may wonder how they shot it down. Well, our, our F 22 fighter jets are the best in the world and smoked them like a pack of cool. Smoked them like, you know, that guy was excited. Right. You got to go shoot a balloon. Got to kill. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to lock on you. You ain't got to worry about pulling no Top Gun maneuvers. You, it's a one-man operation. So he flies out there from Langley Air Force Base at an altitude of 58,000 feet, fires a AIM Sidewinder right into it. Right. Imagine that. that. They got to release that video. Yeah. I feel a little yeah. bit better. They have. They showed it. it. I saw it. It's, yeah. it's very entertaining. I got to go look that up. So he shoots that puppy, and it's about 10 feet long and weighs 200 pounds. Shoom, shoots through the air, knocks the hot air balloon, and it slowly falls to earth. Now, you may wonder, has this... It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally, designed for long-term retention, speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro Pro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro Pro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. 
and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. AstroPro and go ever happened before in the history of mankind. I want to know how much that missile costs. Probably wasn't cheap. A couple million. Yeah. I think it was more than a bottle rocket. Really? <laughs> you think oh, so? yeah, yeah, yeah. Very expensive. It's definitely more than a bottle rocket. And then the jet fuel to chase it down and plus all the think tanks that spend all the time and everything else. Yeah, the, I'm pretty sure China just got us out of about a half a billion dollars. I'm sorry. Well, the whole strategy, wouldn't it be funny if the whole strategy was to get our missile capabilities down, so they figured that's one less missile right. we got to worry about. Boys. Yeah, or we're gonna fly a balloon or, every or, day until they're out of missiles, or they wanted some more information on that specific missile. Yes, exactly. So, again, you may be wondering: Is this a new thing? Has it occurred before? And actually, it has. And I, I had to laugh at the response of the Biden administration on this. Uh, they they went as far as to say this has actually happened in their administration. But they also, uh, prior to, but they also mentioned it's happened three times in the Trump administration. <laughs> they had to throw that in there. Yeah, it's happened once with us, but three times when Trump was in office. Hey, uh, we don't do politics. We're just reporting the facts. <laughs> That's it. So the former, uh, actually, Mike Pompeo, who was the former Secretary of State, came out and said, that never happened in the Trump administration. No. Dude. And the, I, I don't know if he said the dude part. Uh, but. I believe that officials have uh, corrected the record yeah. on uh, on that. There, there were three prior situations where there was limited flight over uh, U.S. territory, but it, it never got to the point where it was even raised to a level where any of those people – in the administration, back in the Trump administration, were even made aware of it. Right. So, and similarly, I think there was one uh, near Hawaii uh, during Biden's tenure that he wasn't made aware of because yeah. it was it was sort of a a, a glancing kind of thing, not a forty five hundred mile route clear yeah. across mm-hmm. the United States within range of. A number of major air bases and, and everything. No here's, doubt. Here's my, my only thing on this is this. Wait, let me say this before you get to that point. Okay. I have no doubt, no doubt that if Trump had been in office and this balloon would have flown over, he would have shot it down in a second and called him Rocket Boy and everything else that he does. You know, Trump ain't going to let no Chinese balloon then, fly then, over the United States. If they have one over us, the Rocket next day boy. we would have had 25 over China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're not doing politics. Our though. balloons are bigger than your balloon. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> we're going to find your Woody Overton in yeah. China running around next. We, we might possibly have had an overreaction, and <laughs> we might be looking today at it would have been an underreaction. A big, right. a big Trump balloon. <laughs> Like an advertisement <laughs> flying over China, a big, a big red balloon. Yeah. 
with a with a fake uh, MAGA hat on it. Make oh, balloons oh great God. again. <laughs> well, why does everything have to be so weird? I mean, why can't stuff just make sense? Because the weirder it is, the more crazy conspiracy theories come flying out of every corner. Um, the stuff I read on Twitter on this thing, it, you can tell folks I don't like this story that much, but um, it, it, it's just it's just nuts. I mean, it looks like we could have easily taken it down over Alaska. Why don't we take it down over Alaska? I don't know. A lot of people think the that maybe the government thought that uh, that it would not be detected by anyone, and they really wanted Blinken to make this trip to to China. And if there was a big to do around the balloon, the trip would be would be canceled. That's one plausible. Th- but but why are we having to theorize? Why can't say, and then Biden came out and said, I decided on Wednesday we were going to shoot it down. But the general said, no, we need to wait until it's, uh, it crosses the rest of the country and gets over water. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure every airplane I've ever flown in and all across the United States, there's hours worth of just farmland. Yeah, and it's not like yeah, it this. Was. It's not like this debris field was right. three hundred miles right. wide. It was it's not like, like the sp- when the space shuttle blew. So right. something's it, there's always something fishy, even when there isn't anything fishy actually going on. It's like the Paul Pelosi yeah, thing. But, it's it 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 happened, and it it happened the way probably they all say it happened. It's just the reporting was so weird that people you know end up coming up with. With hey, big theories around it's it. it's nuts. There's a reason you're hearing about it on Real Life Real Crime Daily because it's a crime. I personally feel violated, and it's pretty interesting also. I just can't imagine the shit that they got by hook or crook, the stuff they want to get and all the incidental stuff they got. Well, hey, that we need be to, we video need to, voyeurism or, or whatever. Uh, um, they should arrest somebody for that. Well, we need to turn to a real... Yes. A story with meat. Yes. And Woody, there's a story out of France that, that has plenty of meat on the bone that, uh, yeah, that this, I think you want to talk about. This is absolutely crazy. Okay. So the, now this guy self-titled himself, this, we're not saying this, right? Uh, we didn't give him this name, but the black alien who mutilated his body says restaurants refuse to serve him. So one French man who calls himself the black alien after mutilating his body with various surgeries, tattoos, and other procedures says restaurants are scared to serve him because of his extreme, because <laughs> of his appearance, y'all. I mean, you got to see this. This dude has his nose surgically removed. He has like implants put in where, where his eyebrows should be. I mean, he looks like a black alien. And I mean, obviously, he, he probably was a white male. Uh, um, he now his head's dyed and he's got all these markings and everything on him. And if I saw this dude in a restaurant, I'm fucking leaving, right? Uh, so I can imagine what the restaurant said. But, but despite claiming that he's just a normal guy, he says restaurants are afraid to open their doors for him. He said, I would say, like they say, not to judge a book by its cover. 
I would say, judge all you want when it comes to this guy. Somebody else said it. He said, if I was working at a restaurant and he walked in, I would hide under the counter. So I don't blame people for wanting to run away from him. So this guy's name is Lafredo, and he said he decided to embark on the extreme modifications of his body, y'all, as a ploy to gain self-confidence and that his journey to become more alien-like, he has done just that. He said, it helps me to understand life, and I feel more like myself. All right, y'all, in addition to the um, extreme body modifications, you got to see this. You, If you don't see this picture, you'll never believe it. Uh, Lafredo, or however you say his name, has also sharpened his teeth, dyed <laughs> them purple, and changed the color of his eyes numerous times, prompting some restaurants to refuse to serve him. Sometimes the servers say, I can eat on the terrace. All right. But lucky for Lafredo, he has said his mother is accepting of his transformation <laughs> to become alien like, despite noticeable judgment from his peers. Well, for Life of a Crime Daily, like to come out along with Anthony's mom and both accepting his transformation and supporting his fight for his First Amendment rights. Well, guess what? He's not from America. See, basically, I say he can go fuck himself. I think we speak for all business in Dental Springs, Louisiana, when we say we'd be happy to serve you. We got to put that shit on social media. You, I mean, if you, I don't know why this is a bigger story than the Chinese boy. Look, I, I, first Boy, thing, the first thing that comes to mind to me for this guy is, uh, why wouldn't he just? We need it before. Why? Why wouldn't he just? Uh, you know, take on uh, pronouns of a black alien, and right. he identifies as a black alien, and since the entire United States population is uh, welcoming people identifying as anything they want to identify as yeah, well. have, uh, you know, he, he should be, he should be good to go. He reminds me of, um, what were they called? Remember the Slee stack in, <laughs> what was that stupid? Uh, you, the, you don't remember that, that show when we were sleep uh, stack. See, I say when we were kids, I'm older than these guys, yeah. but, um, uh, shoot, what was the name of that? It was a Saturday morning thing where all these green alien guys, they were called sleep stack. Oh, missed oh, me on that one. Okay, I may have. But I can tell you this cat. I remember. I know. This guy had to spend twenty-five to $50,000 on this cosmetic surgery oh, more alone. More or I was being very conservative. Uh, hey, homie, why couldn't you just buy a fucking mask? Then you wouldn't regret it later on. That's it's crazy. Land of the Lost. Land of the Lost, yeah. that's I remember that show. Look, you see, he does look like a sleaze stack a little bit. The eyes are Boom. a little bit. The eyes are a little bit different. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and the, uh, it's just uh, I, it takes all kinds to make the world go around. And I'm gonna tell you something. If I was a cop and I stopped this dude, he'd probably get shot. I think we're gonna be seeing. He's got sharp teeth. More and more and more of this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm gonna hope he has his two seconds of fame. And I'm sorry, but if I'm in a restaurant in Denham Springs or anywhere else, that dude's not scaring my patrons. Well, come over and visit Mike Black Alien. I think you're. I think you're cool. Mm. 
<laughs> that story was weird. Hey, hey I, he gets true meaning to has a face only a mama could love. Right. All right. A former Denham Springs police officer pleads guilty after he had an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Joseph Reed Copeland, 30, pled guilty on Monday, January 30th, to charges of carnal knowledge of a juvenile and malfeasance in office. He was actually an admitted uh, to having sex with the minor in his police cruiser. Of course, this is uh, uh, also a Denham Springs uh, officer that just recently received an award as the officer of the year, had done some heroic things here locally in the Denham Springs area. And it has come out that he had had sex with this minor inside his police cruiser. Now this was, uh, as, as you hear Woody say quite often, you can't submit to sex when you're a minor. Right. So to say it was consensual, Technically, by the letter of the law, it can never be consensual when you're a minor. But but let's just say uh, sh- sh- the minor went along with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, this guy's a piece of shit. And the uh, the day he won the Peace Officer of the Year Award, I was actually the keynote speaker for that award ceremony. And that's where we give the Peace Officer of Year Award to the top state trooper in the parish, the top sheriff's deputies in the parish, and the, and the top town officers in the parish and yes he won it um but when they he got charged he ran like a little bitch i had um bed money that he was going to off himself rather than go in but once they called up with him he surrendered like a little bitch and he used his position of a power and authority to basically, or they call it carnal knowledge. I call it rape. Even if she consented, which she can't, um, fuck him, and he's going to get what he's got coming to him. Yeah. So the Copeland has been sentenced to five years with the Louisiana Department of Corrections, but it was all suspended and three years of probation for the charge of carnal knowledge of a juvenile. He has also been sentenced to 10 years with the Department of Corrections, which was suspended in three years of probation for the charge of malfeasance in office. So essentially he has to register as a sex offender for 15 years and he will see no jail time, which, which caused some pretty major uproar here in the uh, area with at least on Facebook. People can't believe that this guy's not going to spend a day in jail. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm gonna spit he's he's applying really quick with with the uh, Department of Corrections Parole Division to get the fuck out of this parish. He's gonna he wants to do his time somewhere where nobody knows him. Um, but a little sweet baby face, and he looks like he looks like a kid, y'all. And yeah, he looks like he's twenty three, good looking, thirty, a uh, clean cut young kid. Um, he knows he just missed it by the hair of his chinny chin chin because he'd gone to prison. It had been on for him. Yeah. So after uh, it became public that he was going to be arrested for this, he fled the state, ran to Texas. They caught him in Texas. Uh, He did have weapons on him in Texas, Mm -hmm. including guns, bullets, all that sort of thing. So can you do what they did uh, 
with the Heisman Trophy where you take it back after. Well, uh, the, I mean, I, I'm sure they're not going through the formal process of it, but everybody knows he he actually they said he was a really good cop, but that you know sheep and wolf's clothing. I mean, I know guys like that. Denny Perkins was one that uh, come off as the best cop in the world, but the whole time they're have an ulterior motive. Well, I just don't know how you can look the public in the face uh, having not put this guy behind bars. I want to talk to you guys about something that I believe is the most serious crime being committed currently in the United States, and that is illegal immigration. And illegal immigration is a crime. That's why it's called illegal immigration. <laughs> think, is, think, as silly think, as that you know, sounds, it's amazing how many conversations you end up having with folks who don't see this as a, uh, as a crime. Yeah. But, you know, and this is a crime commentary show, not a political podcast. And so we're not, I'm not attempting to inject any politics uh, into the show. I'm just yeah, right. looking to share some facts and they're, Except for today. It's amazing. No, it's just, it it is amazing how little coverage from the mainstream media, the situation at the U.S. southern border gets. Shit. The only time, the only thing I want to show is the Border Patrol riding horses herding out uh, illegals coming across. And guess what? That's actually the way they train. That that media blew it up like they were abusing them and shit. I mean, my, my, Deceased father-in-law, Cindy's daddy, was um, head of the whole Border Patrol for South Texas. And I was going to the Border Patrol. That's what they train on. Yeah. Control. You're talking about the now completely debunked story of them whipping migrants. Um, And, uh, you know, we we had uh, some very high-ranking political people in the country talking about that and convicting them publicly before those border agents uh, got their uh, got their day in court, so to speak, which really their day in court was photographs that came from uh, photojournalists in the uh, that were there at the time showing that that there was no such uh, thing that went on. But but anyway, the the issue of border protection and illegal immigration has really heated up in the uh, in the time period since the the midterms. And so the Republicans have taken over the House of Representatives, and this has been uh, a big issue on that side of the aisle. And now they are trying to make it a uh, an issue that gets at least a lot more visibility and understanding uh, across uh, the country and across mainstream media. And so some numbers will really illuminate why that's the case. If you if you look at the last three plus years, and I'm I'm only talking about the southwestern U.S. border, so I'm not talking about people coming in from Canada uh, at this point. And you know we're starting to hear stories about a lot of people coming through the northern border, but I'm just talking about the southern border. In 2020, 450,000 people, approximately, were. Uh, were encountered by Border Patrol at the southern border. In 2021, that number grew to 1.7 million. So 450,000 went to 1.7 million. In 2022, that number went to 2.4 million. Y'all, Mike's not making these up. These are actual bookings that Border Patrol agents did. 
2023, you know, there's a fiscal fiscal year. So the, the year is actually October through September. So the, the 2023 fiscal year began in October of 2022. So you've got uh, three, four months of, uh, of data in. And so, so far in 2023, there are 720,000, which would project to nearly 2.9 million by the end of the year. So 450,000 went to 1.7 million, went to 2.4 million, went to 2.9 million. So the illegal crossings today, 2023, are happening at six times the rate they were happening in 2020. That's people that have been captured. There's right. also a- right. Probably the, 10 times that amount that it didn't get captured. Well, there's a there's a category that, uh, that they identify as known gotaways, meaning these are people that were seen, counted, or, or, yeah. but not apprehended, right? Or they, they track their tracks and they can tell how many people it was and approximately, they could tell everything from the tracks. They call it breaking trail. So there are over 300,000 known gotaways since October 1st. So the projection for fiscal 23 would be approximately 1.2 million known gotaways. So you take the 2.9 and the 1.2 million, we're talking about over 4 million illegal aliens getting into um, uh, this not, country. Not the black alien, y'all. No, he's uh, he's, he's, he's France. Yeah. Uh, other than restaurants in, in Denham Springs. Um, so those are known gotaways. So how many more people are getting through that are not known that, exactly. uh, that we don't get? So if, if we know about four, then, you know, it could be 5 million or more coming in, in, in this year. And so, you know, why is that so important? Why should we, uh, why should we all care? I mean, there are a number of things uh, that are really concerning here. Again, not to not to get political, but the number of people apprehended over the last few years that were at the time of their apprehension on the U.S. terror watch list. So these are people who are known terrorists who are apprehended on our border, coming in again southern border. In 2020, there were three. In 2021, there were 15. In 2022, there were 98 people on the terror watch list that attempted entry through the southern border. That's a scary number. Only takes one fly a plane into a building. Right. And so far this fiscal year, there have been 38, which would project to about 150. So it looks like that number is going to grow Again, the House Committee on Homeland Security wrote on January 23rd, feuding cartels are turning the U.S.-Mexico border into a war zone. An unprecedented number of people on the terrorist watch list are attempting to cross the border, and all semblance of law and order has been lost. Reckless policies are responsible for Border Patrol logging the highest number of migrant encounters for one month ever on record in December of 2022. So in the month of December... Over 250,000 people illegally crossed that border. That's crazy. Let's talk about fentanyl for a second. In 2020, almost 48 pounds, 4,800 pounds, excuse me, of fentanyl was seized by people attempting to come through the border illegally. In 2021, that number rose to over 11,000 pounds of fentanyl. 
coming across the border. In 2022, that number was almost 15,000 pounds of fentanyl coming across the border. Year to date, uh, again, fiscal year 23, almost 9,400 pounds, which projects to over 37,000 pounds, more than seven times what was being trafficked through the border in 2020. In 2022, I know this is a lot of numbers. Here's the most important one. In 2022, more than 75,000 Americans died from overdose of synthetic opioids, mainly fentanyl. Fentanyl is the number one killer of adults 18 to 45 in the United States. And so... It's not only that, Mike. Um, I remember we've had first cases of it back, way back in when, and we didn't even know what it was. But the fire departments, the EMS people, the even cops now um, have to care of the Narcan and different things, or whatever it is that counteracts it. They are getting some small town departments. I was watching one, uh, something about it out of Virginia this weekend in, in the small, like a Livingston Parasize County, we're doing like 20 overdoses a day. Now you're tying up your emergency services, you're burning the gas and everything else. And you know, all this shit is coming from somewhere. Obviously it's coming from across the border. Not to say that, you know, you know what? That everybody is not a rapist and fentanyl dealers and shit like that. But we do have legal access channels for you to come through. And that's why they call it illegal when you do that. But when you're coming in and you're on the terrorist watch list or you're coming in and you're hauling in however many 60 pounds or kilos of fentanyl on your back, or whatever, then that's, that's a shame. And nobody thinks about it. It's pretty scary. And when you think about the potential of 37,000 pounds crossing that border, um, you know, compared to 5,000 in, in 2020. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, Billy Amy, he and I used to serve with the LPSO together, and he went to Baton Rouge City. He was on a traffic stop, went to search a vehicle for drugs, um, touched a small amount of white powder and it dropped him, knocked him out immediately. They had to take him to the hospital. They couldn't, this is when fentanyl was first coming out. They, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And once they figured it out, they get, they gave whatever it is that counteracts it. That's specs. You're talking about thousands and thousands, thousands of pounds, which they're cutting with other drugs. So whatever. It's pretty unbelievable, and it, and it's hard to understand how this is a political issue. I, I think that the data speaks for itself. There should be no politics about no one in the United States would want 100 people on the terrorist watch list coming across the border to do who knows what um, hey, while the, inside if, our country. If the Chinese were coming across with another balloon that had missiles on it, would stop it, you know. The to me, this is an attack. I mean, it's certainly a crime because they're breaking the immigration laws. And if you bring in over dope and all that, but to me, it's an attack on America. Period. And it's not political. I don't give a shit what party you're in. It um, it's like a migraine. Everybody knows about the situation, but until you experience it, 
and you're actually going through it, you don't really get it. If it's one of your people that died from this fentanyl or one of these terrorist kills, whoever they kill, and you know somebody that they murder, then maybe you'll look at it differently. Maybe you'll wake up. Hey, guys. I um, I got a, a subscription to the uh, the Advocate, not to get the paper sent to the the house. I don't I don't do physical paper, I, but uh, I the got, online. I just uh, got my bill advocate. from yesterday. Did you seventeen dollars? Well, it wasn't yeah. yesterday, but it was yeah. just a few days ago. I went online and I saw a big ass story with the heading. Bloody Angola draws major love. Podcast duo tells story of Bloody Angola. Yeah, that's pretty special. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard of that show. Me too. <laughs> now you guys are being you guys are being all modest. Um, this guy that wrote the article, I mean, even for diehard fans of Detective and Crime Fair, Bloody Angola has to come with expectations of what early movie promotions would frequently call a spine-tingling tale, and the presentation offered under that gruesome title did not disappoint. Bloody Angola is the name of a two-man presentation about the Louisiana State Penitentiary that for decades has been considered one of the most dangerous and fearsome prisons in America. Despite the title, the show Delivered with Conviction by Woody Overton and Jim Chapman proved to be a popular draw when it was presented January 13th at the Southeastern Livingston Center in Walker. Yeah, we appreciate everybody coming out. We appreciate the advocate for putting out the story, and uh, and we love doing Bloody Angola Live, and hopefully we'll be doing many more. Yeah. Right, what do you It was great. Mike got to bring his beautiful bride and see Jim and I do live for the first time. Uh, but there'll be many, many more of that. Y'all – Go listen to Bloody Angola. It's uh, different in real life, real crime daily, different in real life, real crime. But to me, it's very, very interesting, the history, the uh, insights into a place that's just infamously notorious throughout its 142, now 143-year history. All right, we have a new segment here on on Bloody Angola. Boom. (laughs) Shit. All right, we have a new segment here on Real Life Real Crime Daily, and we call this our Criminal Masterminds. So we're going to give you a segment every now and then featuring criminal masterminds, and we're going to tell you about one right now. Police say guilt was written all over their faces. They received a call Friday night that two men with hooded sweatshirts and painted faces had tried to break into a man's home in Carroll, Iowa. Now, when police stopped a vehicle matching the caller's description just a few blocks away, they were stunned by the men's disguises. There were no ski masks, no stockings pulled over their heads. Instead, Matthew Allen McNeely and Joey Lee Miller streaked their faces with Sharpies, y'all. Black (laughs) Sharpies. Permanent. Markers. You would never figure out who they were because they were streaked up. And the the picture, look, go Google this. The pictures are beautiful. You got to check them out. Now, Carroll Police Chief uh, told CNN the strange disguises made it actually easier for the op- officers. So they had the opposite effect of what they should have had. We're very skilled investigators, and the black faces gave them away 
right from the start, he said jokingly. I have to assume the officers were kind of laughing at the time. I've never heard of coloring your face with permanent marker. I want to know how high do you have to be to color your face with a permanent marker? Or probably. I would say pretty high. did it to each other. Yeah. And it wasn't, y'all, it wasn't like they drew a mustache or a no, no, goatee no, no, or no, something. No. I mean, they, they like scribbled their like face Colored in, the line, in between the lines, black faces, for, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so uh, Kaler said the police believe one of the alleged burglars targeted the home because he suspected his girlfriend had a relationship <laughs> with the man who lived there. I'm sure she was proud. They probably were just not thinking straight and figured we'll go out and scare the guy or whatever. They were being dumb and combined that with alcohol, and it was the perfect storm. And there you have it. So both men were charged with attempted burglary, and McNeely was charged additionally with operating a vehicle while intoxicated. I wonder if there's a law on operating a vehicle while marked up with a shop Sharpie. They may need to look into that. I wonder when they got put in the jail cell and they painted their face black, how that went over. Yeah. So in the biggest shock of the case, the lawyers for the two men could not be reached for comment. <laughs> I would imagine not. Dang it, Mike! What's the True story we did where the, they gave should, out the public defender's number? Yeah. Stupidity should be a crime. I mean, that yeah, is. I, I, yeah, I always True say stories. prisons are full of dumbasses. It's hard to catch a small. You only get facts on RLRC daily, right. and that's a fact. Look it up. They Beautiful. probably could be taking a lesson from the black alien. But you know, with the that's face, right. face markings, Ooh, they can make a good trio. Right, three. I'm going to reach out to that guy. I'm going to see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Okay. We appreciate y'all listening to Real Life Real Crime Daily. You can find us on the Real Life Real Crime feed that you already get Real Life Real Crime. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For Real Life Real Crime Daily, peace. Show business. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.